Welcome to the Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. Today we're talking about fatigue, why you are tired, what it's costing you, and what you can do about it. Well, hey friends, uh, it is John McGee. I am alone in the podcast studio today. And today we wanna to talk about fatigue. And this is a talk that I did at CLC, and I went back and listened to it. The intent was to replay it and just put a little intro on it, and I didn't really love uh, the way it came off. So that's just honest. Um, I think maybe I was running around trying to make sure the conference was great, and I just didn't love the delivery. And so uh, I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes here uh, about um, some of the same content that I talked to CLC, but just as you know, me to you. And um, so fatigue, it's kind of funny having a whole podcast about that. You know, I know that this is a stewardship uh, of your time, and I, I thought real, real hard and long about is this what uh, what we want to share with you today, and and I really do think uh, this is helpful. This will uh, is very germane to where we are uh, culturally in this moment, and hopefully to you and your leadership. And here here's why: uh, we have noticed that a tired leader is less effective, and we've noticed that a tired leader is prone to quit. And this is why uh, when we talked about um, the different movements in our church leaders conference, you know, one of the things we talked about was that leaders are tired, they are lonely, uh, and they are discouraged. And so we addressed all three of those topics. And I had the um, uh, the privilege of talking about fatigue, not not something in and of itself that I'm really passionate about, but because I've seen how um, it impacts the effectiveness and longevity, it is something that I am uh, really, really uh, passionate about. So First uh, Kings 18, 19, you know that story, uh, Elijah, and it would make such a great movie. If someone is looking to make a movie, uh, this, would, this, would be, <laughs> this would be a great one. And uh, you know, if you remember prophets uh, up on the hill, big showdown, napalm falls from heaven, Elijah wins the day, kills the bad guys, rain's coming, and he's running for his life um, because Jezebel's coming after him. And so 19.4, 1 Kings 19.4, such a great verse. Uh, he lays down at the end of this, so he's, he's really won. He's had an, an incredible run uh, in ministry, a great day, um, a great season. And he's, he lays down and he says, I've had enough and I want to die. I've had enough and I want to die. So I've heard leaders say that over and over again this season. And here, here's what's interesting about that passage to me is we would expect then kind of an audible voice from God to say, you know, hey, Elijah, suck it up, or I'm still with you, or here's the, here's the plan for the next, uh, the next season. And instead, what Elijah does is he sleeps and he eats, and then he sleeps and then he eats. And after that, he just kind of goes about uh, his day and he goes, you know, this next kind of ministry season, trains up his uh, successor, all those kinds of things. And I, I would just submit to you um, that Elijah took two naps and we friends uh, are living in two nap times. Some of the things that we did previously to make sure that we were uh, refreshed, rested, those kinds of things, um, we didn't have to have a whole lot of intentionality then, now, now we do. We're living in two nap times or we're coming out of two nap times and we have got to take care of ourselves. We've got to make sure that we are addressing our fatigue because again, a tired leader is less effective and a tired leader is prone to quit. I've just point to days on my calendar when I came in tired and I got through the day. Contrasted with days I came into the office and I, I was very, very rested and I had creativity I had energy, I had empathy, and when I got in my car at the end of the day or when I put my head down to the pillow at night, I had a sense that God really used me, and it was a really, really fun day. 
And I know that tired leaders are prone to quit. And I'm watching uh, some of my friends, candidly, just kind of throw in the towel and say, I'm, I'm tired. It's not that they don't believe in the mission that they were on. It's just that they are tired. I do believe that the key to effectiveness in ministry is longevity, and we've got to stay in the game. And I want to. I know that I'm prone to want to quit when I'm when I'm tired, and I think crazy thoughts. I'm not sure God's good. Uh, I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing. I'm not sure that uh, I've put the the ladder of my life up against the right wall. I have those thoughts when I'm when I'm tired, and what I've learned to do is just kind of put them in a box when I'm tired, uh, close the box. I don't react to them. I don't tell my friends. I don't I don't spend long times praying about them. I just kind of put them to the side. And then once I'm rested, I go back and look in the box and see if I still feel that way. And 99% of the time, I just don't. And so there's something that that is true, that fatigue makes cowards of us all. It makes us want to quit. And so that's why uh, I'm really, really passionate about this. I'm, uh, I'm passionate about you know, us doing all that we can to help you be more effective and uh, help you be in this game for the long time. So here's seven reasons why uh, you might be tired and then some things uh, that you can do about it. And the 10 is not to uh, give you an exhaustive list so that you would be tired about thinking about uh, executing against the list. It is just to put your brain kind of on the mental treadmill so that you can think about uh, one or two things you could do to address the fatigue in your own life. Okay. Uh, here would be number one, uh, you know, Captain Obvious here, seven reasons why you're tired. Number one is a lack of sleep. And some of us simply just don't go to sleep early enough. We stay up too late. We watch uh, TV. We watch uh, Netflix. We return emails. Whatever it is that we do, we distract ourselves and we don't go to sleep. And some of us simply need to go to bed. We need to go to bed earlier. And then we need to get uh, really serious about our sleep. And so one of the most terrifying verses uh, in the, I I don't know if it's terrifying, it's just kind of sometimes discouraging and funny uh, to me is Psalm 127.2. And it's a verse my wife and I laugh about because what happens is um, when we go to sleep at night, most of the time we go to bed at the, the same time, you know, we'll, uh, we'll kiss, I love you, maybe pray together. And then Pam rolls over and between the time that she says goodnight and the time she hits her pillow, she's generally asleep. And that's where it kind of begins for me. And Psalm 127 says, the Lord grants sleep to the ones he loves. And I look over and I see my sweet bride completely passed out, then it becomes really clear to me, you know, um, kind of humorously who it is that God loves uh, the most. So for me, I, I have onset insomnia. It's very hard for me to go to sleep, has, has been historically. And so I know there are things that I can do um, that will help that. And I don't think about it in terms of just self-actualization or optimizing my life. I, I think about being uh, really, really diligent about this stuff, again, so that I can be uh, more effective uh, in my service to others. Uh, so some things I do, uh, I wear a sleep mask. Uh, I have a noisemaker and I've, uh, with lots of different settings and I've dialed it into the setting um, that is most helpful uh, to me. I've got earplugs. Um, I'll oftentimes take kind of magnesium. I don't drink any caffeine after two. I limit uh, all the blue light uh, at sunset. And, um, and I'm, I, this is a big one to me. I really try not to solve problems or go down a rabbit hole on some big project um, after eight, after nine. And in fact, there was a kind of a few days ago, I remember an email came in. I was just looking at my phone and uh, an email came in about 9.30, 10 o'clock. And I knew um, there was a problem to be solved there. And I had a choice. I could open it and then kind of ruminate on it all night long. Or I could just wait and hit it uh, in the morning. And that 
that's what I had to do because I knew I would stay up all night or I'd stay up for a couple hours anyway, just thinking about it. So wh- whatever it is, um, I would encourage you to think about your sleep, a getting to bed early, uh, and then B, what is it that you can optimize? So right now, Pam and I, um, our newest addition is a cooling pad uh, for our bed. And we're in Texas in the middle of an incredible string of 100 degree days. And it really doesn't matter how kind of cool you get the, uh, the AC, you're going to be hot. And so we've, we're dialing in even the, the temperature. So wh- whatever it is, you know, again, it's not so that you look refreshed or uh, are happy, although those things probably would, would happen and they wouldn't hurt. The, the point is so that you can be effective. And whatever it is that you're doing in service to others, uh, that you can be effective. So again, number one, one of the reasons why you're tired is just you're not being diligent about your sleep. Go to sleep early and figure out kind of what it would look like to make sure that you've got good quality uh, of sleep. Number two is a lack of Sabbath. And many of us really, we are working seven days a week. Even though we don't come to the office seven days a week, we're kind of always on and we don't have any rhythms. We don't have any rest. And I told you about the the funny story that um, happened during the middle of my sabbatical last summer. I was at a, think of an, like an adult camp and uh, we had no cell phones. We had no computers. We had really no electronics, no TVs, anything. And we're just sitting outside, just talking to each other. And I, I leaned, uh, we're in a circle and I leaned over to this uh, woman who was Jewish. And I just said, this makes me want to get a ranch in Montana and invite my friends up, take away their phones, take away their computers and just cook big meals and, and just sit around and talk. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, that's called Shabbat, which is Sabbath. And, um, you know, her name was Esther. And uh, she was just basically saying, hey, you're a Christian. You have a Bible that that's in there. Uh, you know, you know this and um, you know the idea of Sabbath. She looked at me just like completely uh, appalled. And, and I just thought, you know, uh, well played, Esther, well played. And um, and she was right. Like, I, I know the answer. You know the answer. We're just not doing uh, much with that. So whatever it would look like for you, maybe it's not Maybe you, right now you can't even conceive of taking a full day off uh, every day. Maybe it's uh, a half day a week. Maybe it is a day or a half day a month. Whatever it is, I would just encourage you to, to think about uh, pushing yourself and, and finding some time just to shut it down, putting it on the calendar if you have to. And this is not something that I'm excelling at, uh, candidly, right now. Yesterday was Sunday, and uh, after church, uh, my wife and one of my daughters was saying, hey, this is Sabbath. Uh, we don't need to work. And um, I did okay. I didn't do great. And it's something that we're trying to uh, really turn the dial on. But I would encourage you to think about you know, what is it uh, that it would look like to kind of take a next measured step uh, and having a time of Sabbath. So number three, um, this is something that I'm noticing. It's playing out of position, playing out of position. And I'm watching leaders kind of make this trajectory. And here, here's what it looks like. Uh, a leader comes in and they're good at a thing. They're good at um, some topic. And so they, they start there and they lead something, they build something. And as they get better and better at that, they have more and more responsibility that generally turns into something that looks more like management uh, of others who are doing uh, the thing and training them up, which is a great stewardship of all that you have learned and uh, all the experiences you've had. But it takes you off the field. So metaphorically, if you were, you know, used to play the sport, now you're up in the press box. And uh, the thing that you really, really loved was being on the field. And now you're coaching others who are on the field. And, and I just watched and I've seen and I've experienced this sometimes in my own life, uh, fatigue, not because I'm going too hard, but because I'm not doing the things 
that really gave me life and energy. And so if that's the case for you, I would just encourage you to think about what would it look like uh, to find a couple different spots on your calendar to do something that you uh, really, really enjoy. So if it was meeting one-on-one uh, with people or with volunteers or if it was uh, to teach or uh, whatever it is, to put some of that on your calendar so that you would look forward to it, so you would have energy, and I think that will be in some ways uh, battling fatigue. So uh, for Pam and I, we, we don't lead the local instance of the marriage ministry here at Watermark anymore. And as we began to help other churches do that, it, it really you know, created kind of a sense of loss uh, in us. And so we've asked, and they've been really, really kind. They let us come in and uh, and speak and teach and, and, and share with, with other leaders. It's it's their pond. They, uh, I don't want to skate on it, but you know, I've just been real clear. Hey, we, we love it. And uh, if you'll have, you know, the crazy old people back, we would love to contribute in ways. And we do, I, I think we have something to say, but uh, selfishly, I know that I will, I'll just have more energy for all of ministry if I'm doing some of those, uh, some of those things where I can tangibly talk to people, many of them that I know and love and have done ministry with, uh, that, that fuels us. And so the other one I would say for those of you that are young and you're contemplating kind of moving up the org chart or having more responsibility, those kind of things, is just for you to think uh, wisely about that. And some of you uh, will end up in positions that you think you want and when you get there, you won't. So just, just be careful. And just be careful to be uh, really, really grateful for the, you know, the, the station in life that you're at, the position that you're at, and uh, weigh carefully any quote-unquote promotions or movements that would take you out of the thing that you love. Now, I, I do think uh, you should, probably should move to, in your lifetime, helping others do the thing that you do, but um, just, just be wise uh, about that. I've seen some people get their quote-unquote dream job and then hate it because they're not doing the thing that they used to uh, love. So that's number three, playing out of position. Number four, just doing too much, literally doing too much. And you know, Exodus 18, 18, the Jethro principle, you know, Moses, his father-in-law, I said, hey, you're going to wear yourself out as well as those who follow you. If you don't begin to kind of delegate, many of us get incorrectly a lot of self-worth from doing too much. And we also are robbing others of the opportunity to exercise their gifts and begin to find out what it is that God has uh, for them in a life uh, of ministry. And we have got to uh, delegate. And so a lot of us are really busy. And I love the C.S. Lewis quote um, where he just says that lazy people are, are the only ones that work hard, right? Lazy people work hard because in, in his mind, what that means is they advocated the difficult work of kind of prioritizing and directing their schedule and their time and their life. And so they just kept taking on whatever was in front of them and a very, very thoughtful person, someone um, who is effective will do the hard work of prioritizing and not doing everything. So just a good, always, always, always a, a good time to kind of take an audit at your calendar. Is, am I doing the right things? Am I doing too many things? Uh, are there meetings I can get out of? Some of us could get out of a meeting or two and have a ton uh, of new time there. So uh, some of us are tired because we're doing too much. What would that look like for you to take a next step? Number five uh, is just doing things with the wrong motives, having the wrong motives, right? We're not to do anything uh, really out of an ambition for self. Now we can do things that would be fun to us. We can do things that would be a good stewardship of our gifts, but it's not fundamentally about us. And so when we go through life, when we go through ministry, when we go through our careers, or whatever it is, or even uh, in uh, relationships, if it is fundamentally about us, we become really, really happy, really, really energized when things are going well. And conversely, uh, we are absolutely wrecked 
when they're not going well. And we are tired and we don't want to get out of bed in the morning because we aren't happy or we aren't uh, being self-actualized. And it really isn't fundamentally uh, about us. And I've seen over and over again, uh, people who finish well in their life, in their ministry, really do have a, a mentality that this is not fundamentally about me. And uh, this is something I continue to have to come back to personally. And when, I, when I'm in a good spot, I've got energy for days. And when I'm not, uh, I get really discouraged. So uh, some of us are tired because our motives are wrong, right? And we need to think about why, what is our motive uh, to serve other people? Is it to have a platform? Is it to be famous? Is it to be well thought of? Or is it simply to be faithful, to partner with God in the work that he has uh, for us during this short, short life? Number six, and um, another reason why we might be tired is unconfessed sin. And, you know, Psalm 32, we know that, um, that when we keep silent about our sin, um, our strength is sapped, right? We waste away. And some of us are hiding sin. And through COVID, there's been lots of, uh, lots of opportunity for hidden sin. And, and I would just encourage you, friends, whatever that is, uh, whatever it is that no one knows uh, other than God, uh, to confess that. Find some friends um, that you can kind of confide in. And I would encourage you to go look for the mercy of God and mercy of others and confess and just be free, uh, friends. And so a lot of us, uh, we've had a lot of time uh, on our hands um, alone, and there's been things we've seen that we shouldn't have seen. There's been things we've done that we shouldn't have done. There's habits that have grown into addictions. And um, this is a great time uh, now. Right? Today is always the best day to come clean, and you will be fatigued. You will be tired if you're sitting on unconfessed sin, and um, we just don't want that for you. So uh, number six, that would be one of the reasons why we could be tired is unconfessed sin, and I would encourage you to take uh, a next bold, courageous step. Regardless of what happens, be free. Be free. Uh, and then the number seven is just a lack um, of rhythms or maybe even a lack of things that uh, energize us. Recently, my kids have really gotten into Formula One. So that's the uh, kind of the international race circuit, um, not NASCAR. NASCAR in America, you know, a lot of times we're going around in a circle, but uh, these guys, they fly all over the world and drive super fast cars. And so they're into it. I don't, I'm not passionate about it. Don't really care, but, you know, I'm passionate about spending time with them and connecting them. So I'm a quasi-budding Formula One fan. As soon as they lose interest, I will too. But today, uh, we're Formula One fans as a family. And uh, what we do is every time there's a, there's a race, we um, uh, next week will be uh, France and we will uh, we'll watch the, the race and we'll cook meals from that country and watch it together. And it's just a good excuse to be together. But uh, I've learned more about Formula One than I care to, candidly. And uh, I would have thought, you know, you just get in your car and drive around the, the track as fast as you possibly can. Um, you know, finish the laps, and then fastest guy wins. Well, there's actually a whole lot of strategy to finishing a race and uh, maximizing your speed. And some things I learned is you really can't go all out all the time. And so when they go to pass each other, uh, especially around corners, it puts a lot of wear and tear on the tires. So you really only have a couple shots to do that. Otherwise, uh, your tires will uh, degrade. And so the whole the whole race is not just about going fast. It's also about figuring out how to go long. And so they they have these different moments where they push really hard, and which can heat their engine up. And then they will also pull back to cool their engine uh, off. They will push hard and go around corners, and it will it put a lot of wear and tear on the tires. And they've got to uh, then 
pull back. Otherwise, uh, their tires will literally uh, blow. Um, they actually have a, a battery. So think about uh, almost like a turbo boost and you can charge this battery. And so then when you really need to attack or really need to defend, you can take the extra energy from that battery and then push. And I think a lot of us really um, are a lot more like Formula One cars than we think. Uh, we do have capacity to do incredible things. Humans especially uh, who are empowered by the Spirit of God can do incredible things. We just can't do them nonstop, all out, all the time. There has to be seasons where we push and then seasons where uh, we rest. Seasons where we push, seasons where we rest. Or we can still be in motion, but we just can't go as hard. So on the, you know, uh, after big events, after a big push, you need to think about what does it look like um, to take take a break, right? To cool, kind of metaphorically cool the engine. And then what is it that recharges your batteries? What is it that you can do outside of the current thing that is kind of your nine to five, your 40, 50 hours a week uh, that would recharge you? And for everyone, it will be uh, something completely different. And I would just encourage you to be really unashamed uh, about that. One of, the, one of the guys on my team, Eric, who you met um, during the episode about um, integrators and visionaries, uh, he chases tornadoes. Don't ask me why. I can't explain it. Um, but he gets really energized by chasing tornadoes. And you'll see him after a good tornado chase. Uh, he's he really has got a bounce in his step, right? So for me, you know, it it is um, kind of travel. If I can go somewhere I haven't been, hop on a plane, especially with my wife, if I can do that a couple times a year, I really do uh, feel like my batteries are recharged. And, and I just had a coach uh, this year say, you know, John, I would just be um, unapologetic about that. And I would think about it even as a spiritual discipline. <laughs> I loved it. She said, you, sh- you should think about travel as a spiritual discipline. And so I'm thinking about, you know, invoicing our elders. I, I've just got to, you know, live out my spiritual discipline. Obviously I won't do that, but I've always felt a little weird uh, about that. And I don't know why, uh, but that's one of the things that really does uh, recharge me. And there's lots of smaller, uh, less dramatic things. And I think about um, giving and I think about recharging, giving and recharging, going hard, taking a break, and you should too. Some of us are only going all out and we, we lack rhythms. And, um, and I think if we'll think about rhythms, uh, seasons of pushing and then seasons of um, resting, I think, I think we can make it longer. So uh, friends, that is... Um, that's what I wanted to share with you today. I hope that was helpful. I, uh, again, I think that the best application would be just to think about what are one or two things you can do to kind of address the fatigue. Where, where are you? And you could ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, uh, how fatigued am I? If 10 is completely exhausted, one is I could go for days. Uh, where are you? And then, um, and then think about what would it look like to take kind of one next step write it down somewhere 90 days later revisit the exercise and go where where am i and see if you can trend uh, to an area of unfatigue and we'll we'll always be tired there's this life on this side will always be hard Um, but i think to the extent that we can address our fatigue uh, we will be more effective and we're going to last longer and that is what we want uh, for your friends. So thanks so much for listening, giving us a few minutes uh, of your attention, your precious time. Um, We look forward to talking to you again. And as always, if we can help you, if you have questions, if you have comments, or if you have topics that we um, could serve you uh, with by by addressing, please let us know. You can do so at clp at watermark.org. That's clp at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time. 